Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. I'll share some tips to deal with your holiday shopping debt. Plus, more seniors are going missing. Music predictions. Why does the RBG want your Christmas tree? And hitting the jackpot would be nice. The GMH podcast begins now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. So now that January has arrived... A lot of the stuff that you bought has come with a bill because many Canadians are still using their credit card or have been for years, obviously, using credit card to buy holiday stuff. And now they're staring at a mountain of debt. Here to help you tackle that mountain of debt is Paul Anachek, Vice President, Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Debt Solutions and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Paul, good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Rick. It's it's great to be back this year. And uh, you know what? You're right. It's uh, January is the time for uh, the sticker shop for everyone who has enjoyed the last few weeks of Christmas. Yeah, those uh, those dreaded holiday bills are going to be arriving soon in the mail or, or on your app or where, however you know people are getting them these days. And it's going to lead, as we've talked about in previous uh, um, uh, get-togethers here on the show, is that there's the the post-holiday regret is real that that debt is piling up and we're regretting some of the purchases that we're making it is definitely and then we find january is always a time of uh, year that canadians uh, uh like to portray a little bit of an ostrich in the sand and uh you know it used to be that the canadians used to ignore the the mail when it came but of course now we've gone electronically so what's happening what we find is that many canadians and including people here in ontario uh you know will not be going into their uh bank accounts will not be looking at it for a little period of time and we'll just be trying to ignore it and but we all know that's the wrong thing to do you know, ignoring our debt it just leads to more situations and more debt stress. And uh, it, it's really what we're not seeing here. You know, Canadians are focusing really on paying down debt this year. Surveys have been showing that over and over again. That is the good news is that, you know, this year compared to previous years, uh, people's debt and paying down their finances are top of mind. And the surveys have really shown that it's great to see. It's great to hear. However, we're in that time of year when resolutions fail, and we know that 80% of resolutions fail by February. So while Canadians are focused, you know, let's tackle this debt situation, at the same time, there's that little resolution in the back of the mind. So, you know, that's why we're really telling Canadians, instead of having a resolution, you know, with respect to paying down your debt, make it part of your 2024 financial plan. So thereby, you're not really looking at breaking it. You know, you're actually looking to break the cycle this year. I want to get to what that plan should look like. But before we get there, with this post-holiday debt that we have and the debt regret that many Canadians have, uh, I remember going into the year hearing about credit card usage in Canada. I think it was the third quarter stats that had like $113 billion dollars. Uh, of credit card debt in just the third quarter alone. And and this is happening at, the, at a time when interest rates have climbed over the last number of months, as we know. Not a very good combination for tackling your debt. It is not. And it was. Equifax uh, consumer debt shows that we're sitting at $2.4 trillion right now. That's trillion dollars in, in uh, consumer debt here in Canada. You know, that is a scary amount. And we did see how Canadians were reacting over the holidays and many put the holidays on their credit card bills. And of course, now's the time that they're going to be taking a look for payment at $2.4 trillion. Just imagine that. And, you know, if you think about it, the average credit card rate's at 20%. So you can see the amount of interest that Canadians are just paying on their credit cards is uh, mind-blowing. 
Last time we had uh, Paul Anacek, the VP and licensed insolvency trustee at BDO Debt Solutions uh, on the show here on 900 CHML. We talked about the BDO Debt Stigma Survey, and it showed that more than half of Canadians uh, prefer not to even talk about those financial issues that they have. And understandably so, for years it's been a taboo topic, but we have, at least on the show, asked the experts with BDO Debt Solutions, which you can hear this Saturday at 11 on 900 CHML. We've talked about financial literacy, and in talking about your financial woes, it's okay, get some help, get some solutions. And the good news is, Paul, there are some solutions. Definitely, there are solutions that are available. And the sooner you reach out, the more solutions that are available. And the reason I say this is because when people don't want to talk about their finances, and again, they're putting their head in the sand, what a lot of times happens is people start getting behind on their credit card payments, and that really hits their credit score. So as soon as your credit score starts going down, there are less options available. However, I want to say there are always those options that are still going to be available for everyone. So if you could give us a call, we're going to discuss the various options such as budgeting, because we know that half Canadians don't have budgets. We'll talk about credit counseling. We'll talk about debt counseling. We'll talk about consumer proposals, and we'll talk about bankruptcies. Now, everyone doesn't want to talk about the last two, but it's also important to know what your options are, because they are options if it does happen in the future. So by giving us a call at one eight five five bdo debt or visit our website at bdodebt.ca, you know, we'll schedule that appointment. And actually, if you go to our website, you can now actually book your own appointment online, or you can talk to one of our... Um, administrators, you know, through text or even through email as well. So uh, as times are changing, so are we. Yeah, technology is certainly our friend in this regard. Paul, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. And again, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Rick. We'll see you on Saturday. You got it, Paul Anacek, Vice President, Licensed Insolvency Trustee at BDO Debt Solutions. And I invite you to join Paul and I on 900 CHML this coming Saturday at 11. Another round of Ask the Experts with BDO Debt Solutions and learn more tips for paying down your holiday debt. I'm, hey, listen, it's easy to stack up that debt. You can also go online, bdodebt.ca, as Paul mentioned as well. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, the headline on 900CHML.com, Canadians ringing in 2024 with big money resolutions. And it's based on a new poll by Ipsos conducted exclusively for Global News that shows money issues are still a top priority in this country. Daryl Bricker is the global CEO with Ipsos Public Affairs and joins us on GMH here on 900CHML. Daryl, good morning. How are you? Put me on. What did you find in this poll, aside from, you know, money and and financial issues being a top priority? Well, how people are dealing with money and financial issues issues being a top priority. So they're really taking a look at their spending, particularly people who are in that key kind of middle class, middle age category. Those people who are getting crunched by raising kids, but also by trying to save for their retirement, paying for mortgages, all of those people who are in the high expense uh, uh, status of life right now are the ones who are really being pinched. So that sandwich generation, maybe they're caring for older parents, they have some kids in college or university, uh, and they're feeling the pinch from both sides. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that they're dealing with it is they're cutting back and reconsidering. Uh, interesting to notice, diving through some of the numbers uh, in the poll, and about 70% are worried they can't absorb any unexpected costs worth $1,000 or more, and 53% are concerned they might not have enough money to put food on the table. Two real concerns. They they can't deal with any debt, and they can't buy the amount of food that they're, used, uh, I guess, used to buying. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, these are really, in my view, 
pretty shocking numbers. You can't find $1,000 if you need it. And, you know, how many of us run into a situation in which, you know, an expense comes up, an unexpected expense? And, uh, you know, these are people who are probably going to have to be taking advantage of lines of credit and other high-interest uh, uh, vehicles in order to be able to deal with these things. So Canadians are really on the edge. And everything that we look at in polling right now, when it comes to the concerns that Canadian Canadians have, focus on these kinds of things. So when we ask them what the most important issue facing the country is today, these days it's always economic. What about the younger and the older generation, those those Gen Xers, those seniors, the golden generation? I'm, I'm sure they're impacted as well. Well, the younger ones in particularly are affected, but the difference between the younger and the older ones is that the younger ones feel that they've got some time on their side. So they feel that even if things are a bit tough right now, they might be able to deal with it. And by, for, by, ironically, uh, some of the people who are the least concerned about this tend to be among the more senior generation. Hmm. They're people who have their houses, they have things a bit more figured out, they have fairly reliable uh, income coming in you know, either through their own pensions or through, through government pensions, and they've learned to control their spending and, and deal, with, uh, deal with life as it is. The people who are really strained are that people who are right in the middle. So the parents of the younger generations and the sons and daughters of the older generation. Daryl Bricker is the global CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs, and we're talking about big money resolutions in their latest poll conducted exclusively for Global News that shows these big money issues are a big priority for Canadians. And they're also saying that this should be a top priority for politicians this year. Yeah, right at the top of the list. So you know, anything that you hear coming out of Queen's Park, Ottawa, or City Hall that doesn't speak to these kinds of issues is kind of going past people who, who the politicians are trying to affect. Unless you can find a linkage into how to make people's lives easier, in particular through the costs that are, that are affecting them from day to day, if you can't find something there, they're really not listening to you very much. And, you know, particularly if, if mayors, for example, or, or uh, uh, your, your local MP or your local MPP are talking about programs in which taxes are being raised, that's going to be a real problem. Poll also shows 53% plan to cut back on eating out, 48% anticipate searching for sales on flyers, 45% will spend less on entertainment. It screams to me that a recession is on the way. It, it really does feel like that, but you know who's really feeling it? It's women. So when you, when you ask who are the people who are most concerned about this and the people who are taking the most action to deal with these kinds of things, women way more than men. Very interesting stuff. Daryl, thanks for the time this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. Daryl Bricker is the global CEO for Ipsos Public Affairs. Check out the story, Canadians ringing in 2024 with big money resolutions. You can find it on our website, 900chml.com, globalnews.ca. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We're going to talk about dementia here because, and this is a really... Well, it's an interesting yet scary scenario. As we know, our population in this country is not only growing, but we're getting older. Our population is aging. And the number of people diagnosed with dementia, to no one's surprise, is now escalating. And so, too, with that is the number of seniors who are reported missing. How frequently does this happen? What is being done to help these individuals and these families who are going through this. Laura Tamblin-Watts is the CEO of CanAge and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton here on 900 CHML. Laura, good morning. Good morning. This is very scary. I mean, we, we know the population is aging. We know we have more seniors than ever. We also know we have more people with dementia and these people are going missing at a greater rate. What can you tell us about this? 
we know that about six out of 10 people with dementia will go wandering and get lost. And of course, as we're coming into that dark and cold months, those numbers mean a really dangerous situation. And if folks aren't found within 24 hours, it's a one in two chance that they're going to be very seriously injured or indeed found dead. So what is being done to help these individuals and these families deal with this? There are certain programs, and Hamilton, for instance, does have what we call a silver alert program, which works with the Alzheimer's Society and the Hamilton Police Department to help to have a, both a vulnerable person's registry, so you can register the person that you will care about that has dementia, so that if they do get lost, there's some assistance in finding them. But the problem with these silver alert systems is because it's so common for people to go wandering and get lost, that it means actually people get very impatient because their phone goes off constantly, unlike an Amber Alert system. So we really have to think about prevention as well. So how do we do that? What is What are the prevention challenges ahead and how do we tackle them? About 75% of all people with dementia will always live at home. So we really are thinking about a community response British Columbia, for instance, is a great program developed by their Alzheimer's Society that I think we could use across the country. And that's called dementia-friendly communities. It helps people who live in communities, whether they're shopkeepers or folks working at a bank or people who are on the street or working in transit, recognize folks with dementia and get lost and gives them great tips on how to approach them. But we also do need to be thinking about using some modern technologies to help tracking so things like, yes, find my phone. If the person does carry a phone, of course, many people may not take that with them. But in some cases, even using things like those GPS air tags can really help. Are there common elements for when these individuals with dementia are going missing? Are there is there a common denominator here? There's kind of a couple of different ways it can happen. I mean, you can have a person with some forms of early dementia who leaves the house, they're on their way to go do whatever they're doing, they're feeling very comfortable, they're in their community, and then they get turned around, they have a bit of an episode. Typically, this happens within zero to five kilometers of the local home. So somebody who's got some memory problems, who goes out, gets turned around and get lost. The other group are people with significant dementia who really are looking to, and I don't love the term wander, but looking to wander. And, and those people we know are always going to be more confused. And these two types of folks can be quite different, but the result's the same. Laura Tamblin-Watts is the CEO of Can Age, and our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML as we talk about dementia and uh, the rise in our aging population and the number of seniors who, as, as Laura just mentioned, go wandering or, or are reported missing. Is, is there anything that police are doing differently or is there a new tool that they have access to that is that is helping this? If people on a volunteer basis do register the person that they care about with the Alzheimer's Society and the Hamilton Police called that Silver Alert System in that community, it can help. What it does is it gives folks the tools to recognize who that person might be, have some information about how they might respond and again, what levels of uh, approach or keywords to use. But for everyday folks who may be worried that they're seeing someone who looks lost, we can also use some handy tips. And for instance, 
don't come up to the person behind them and scare them. Come up facing them, not not aggressively, but warmly. If you're wearing sunglasses, take them off so they can see your face. Take your hat off again. And remember that a person with dementia can take as long as seven seconds longer to process information. So don't jump in and just try to help that person talking constantly. Get them to a place of warmth, especially in the season and safety. See if they have any identification on them, like a like a medical alert bracelet. Quite often that is used or see if there's any other information that they're carrying and then see if you can't reach out to help them. Uh, again, they may be registered with the Silver Alert system. In many communities don't have that system, so you do have to find out, again, uh, where you are if there is a registry. Great tips. One big obstacle I would uh, I would guess that happens in this regard many in many cases is that you know, with the cost of living these days, there's so many people who are, uh, they, they're a two-income family. Both parents are at work. They're caring for an elderly parent, perhaps in the home, and they're not able to be at home all the time. And this is when the senior will exit the house. And then, you know, one thing leads to another. How big of an obstacle is this? It's actually a really significant obstacle, the one that's increasing. You know, within a short number of years, we're going to be at a million people with dementia. And we're really not well established for it. We don't have very good home care supports. And this means as well that while we want to keep people in the community engaged, we're not really providing those supports to do it. We really have to be thinking about how we train personal support workers and everyday families to support people with dementia. It also, I think, is going to be an opportunity for technology to make sure that we're able to both keep track of who's coming and who's going. And uh, while I'm not suggesting we want to lowjack grandma or grandpa, again, the use of things like air tags tied to shoes can be a way that everyday families can help to locate people so they don't get too lost. Laura, thank you so much for sharing your insight in this, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you. Laura Tamblin-Watts is the CEO of CanAge. You can find out more information online, canage.ca. Um, a little surprised at the the stat in terms of those with dementia going missing. Six in 10, 60%. That's much higher than what I expected to be. CanAge.ca for more information on this topic. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. At this time of the year, New Year brings a host of predictions and prognostications, whether it's for the economy or the world of sports or music, and the latter of which we're going to dive into now. What can we expect from the music industry in 2024? Well, if you go to 900chml.com or globalnews.ca, you can read Alan Cross's predictions for 2024 when it comes to music. And Mr. Cross joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Alan is the host of the ongoing History of New Music, which recently celebrated its 1,000th episode last month. An amazing milestone. Congrats, Alan, and welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you, and uh, glad to be here. So your top 10 list, I'm not sure we're going to have time to get through them all, but there are a couple of ones that I do want to pinpoint, including number one, music will become even more fragmented. Is this is this a bad news story? Uh, yes and no. I mean, music has been completely democratized. Uh, we get whatever music we want, whenever we want, wherever we happen to be, and whatever device we happen to have. And uh, the result is that there's no center to music, you know, outside of a few major artists. I guess Taylor Swift would be an example. Beyonce might be another. 
uh, everybody's off doing listening to their own thing. And the community of music that we used to have back in the day is uh, it, it just doesn't exist anymore because we were told at one point that, uh, you know, here's what we're listening to. Um, and we heard it on the radio. We heard it in record stores. We saw it on video channels. Record labels took care of it and uh, music magazines. Now, uh, consensus on what's good, who's big, who's worth my time, um, has completely broken down. There's, there's no, again, outside of a couple of artists, there's, there's no, you must listen to this song, this record, this whatever. And uh, with music blowing, by, uh, blowing past us so quickly, it's, it's very hard to latch on to anything for any significant period of time. Uh, I want to jump to number nine on your list, and, and I'm not really going in any chronological order, but this one I think a lot of people will agree with in that we may finally say enough is enough to high ticket prices. Hallelujah! Well, yes. Now, acts have been pushing the envelope on ticket prices for the last 25 years or so. And so far, we've been willing to pay what we've been asked. However, when you start seeing tickets reach the four-figure range, you run into problems. Now, there are people who will mortgage everything to see that show if it costs them $2,000 or whatever it is. But the bigger problem is something that not a lot of people are talking about, is that if you're spending $1,000 on a concert ticket, that leaves $0.00 to go see a band that has a $25 concert ticket because you put all your eggs in one basket. And, um, you know, we may continue to pay what we're, we're being asked for, for the, for the A-level shows, but the mid-level and emerging artists are suffering because we just don't have money to pay for those shows as well. Um, at the same time, how high can ticket prices go? Once artists, promoters, start seeing rows and rows and rows and rows of empty seats as people have refused to, to pay these high prices, we'll know that we've reached our limit. And we'll, we'll wait and see what's, what's happening. Um, the re- part of the reason concert tickets are so expensive is because it's so expensive to stage these tours. So we're, we're going to have to, at some point, we may reach a breaking point. Yeah, I agree with you with that. we got 90 seconds to get maybe one of the hottest takes of already 2024. The Taylor Swift-Travis-Kelsey relationship. Your prediction for 2024 is? <laughs> well, given Tay-Tay's uh, 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 track record with, with, with um, romantic relationships, um, this one will probably end the same way. Until then, though, this the, their, their relationship their, their, their has been a a storybook Liz Taylor, Richard Burton type thing that uh, has captivated everybody has completely co-opted the NFL. I mean, they've got a whatever there's a Kansas City Chiefs game, there's there's a guy in charge of the Taylor cam uh, <laughs> focused on her in the in the, in the VIP box. Um, you know, a sizable portion of the population is is invested in this couple in the relationship. But if we're going to you know follow this in the rom com you know great grand Hollywood tradition. Um, it has to end with a tragic breakup. And then and, she'll write about it. Well, and then she'll write about it. And you know, more than one person has said, if, if, if Kansas City tanks down the stretch into the playoffs, uh, Chiefs fans are going to have a... Uh, um, they're going to be looking for a scapegoat, and I think Taylor's going to be one of them. <laughs> I've already seen her mentioned as Yoko a number of times. Oh, geez. And I've started to see uh, people... Uh, 
you know, she's been so ubiquitous and absolutely everywhere, and which is fine. I mean, she deserves it. She's a big talent. But at some, we all get tired of seeing the same things over and over and over and over again, especially with the granularity that we're following Taylor Swift. I saw something in the New York Post this morning saying that, oh, fans noticed that Taylor Swift's uh, lipstick was smudged on New Year's Eve. She must have been making out with Taylor uh, with uh, Travis um Kelsey. Like, really? That's how low we've gotten? Wow. You can read uh, all of Alan Cross's music predictions for 2024 online, 900chml.com, globalnews.ca. Alan, appreciate the time as always. Happy New Year. You too. Alan Cross is the host of the ongoing history of new music. You can hear it every morning at 4 here on 900chml, Sunday nights at 8 on Brother Station Y108. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900chml. You'll have your Christmas tree up. I'll be honest, at my house, the wife does not waste any time. Boxing Day literally means boxing up all the decorations. It is like night and day. You might be that way, or you might still have all your decorations up, the lights still on, yada, yada, yada. Well, there will come a time, especially if you have a, a, a new Christmas tree, that you got to heave that out of the house, right? The city of Hamilton picks it up on, on Waste Collection Day. But there is another way to uh, give your Christmas tree the old heave-ho, because the RBG, the Royal Botanical Gardens, actually wants your Christmas tree. To find out more, let's bring in our next guest. Dr. David Galbraith is the Director of Science at the RBG and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Dr. Galbraith, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm fantastic. Why does the RBG want our Christmas trees? Well, it turns out that uh, Christmas trees and the the biological ones, not the plastic ones, Mm -hmm. but uh, old Christmas trees have a second life in ecological restoration. And because RBG uh, owns and manages about uh, 2,400 acres of nature sanctuary, including Coots Paradise Marsh and the Lower Grindstone Creek, we can really use those trees to help us manage those wetlands. Okay, so what do you do with the trees? Well, the trees are used uh, in a couple of ways. It turns out that you can stack up Christmas trees along banks or in wetlands, and they will do two things for you. Um, they will hold back large organisms, things like big fish can't swim through them, and they will also hold back sediment. So as water is flowing, if it goes through the Christmas tree, sediment in the water column will settle down, and that can be a really good thing. We're trying to keep the carp out of Coots Paradise Marsh, and uh, we do the, the Coots Paradise Fishway for that, but in the Grindstone Creek in Aldershot, the mouth of the creek is too big for a fishway. So we use what are called berms, which are long piles of Christmas trees laid down. And they effectively are a large filter. They keep the carp from going upstream. Hmm. And that's a good thing because it protects the upstream from the damage the carp does. So each and every year when these real Christmas trees are being discarded and, and donated, I guess, in for lack of a better term, to the RBG, they're being placed at the same location pretty much each year? Uh, no. Uh, we have several places where we use the trees. This year we're going to be deploying them in the Sunfish Pond area. That's the, um, the basically the mouth of the Grindstone Creek where it enters Hamilton Harbor in the Valley Inn area for folks who know the area. And there are several long, slender um, rows of these trees, or berms, we call them. 
And these have to be rebuilt from time to time because the trees do uh, gradually compact and degrade. And in some cases, they're actually damaged. And that's a good thing. The damage is being done in some place in some places by things like beavers. Um, beavers and muskrat get in there and they do their thing. And that's great. It means the ecosystem is healthy, but it also does tear up the barriers. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the beavers are happy because they don't have to chomp down the tree. It's right there for them. Well, they, I guess they move them. They move them around. They they are trying to make sure they have their underwater passages during the winter time. Uh, I'm not sure the degree to which they actually feed on those trees, right. but they will disturb them. And we have to just gradually maintain those berms once we build them. So we're looking for 2,000 trees a year to do that. Dr. David Galbraith is the Director of Science at the Royal Botanical Gardens. You can find out more online, rbg.ca. The RBG wants to donate your Christmas trees, and to that end, how can people donate their tree? Well, thanks, Rick. Uh, First, folks should go online to the website and sign up. Now, this is a great thing because we can only take 2,000 trees. The, The news this morning, it's a limited time offer. There's only 70 spaces left. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, I just checked as of this morning, we've had 1,930 people, or actually trees, uh, some people are, are registering more than one tree, so we're, we already have 1,970 trees pledged. Uh, we can only take 2,000 because we have we have limited space for them and limited capacity to deal with them. So we're real close. If you want to do this, get online today and sign up. The uh, trees are collected... Um, at a very specific space, if again, if you know the Valley Inn area, there's a road that goes past the Grindstone Creek and up towards the lower parking lot for Laking Garden. And there's a designated tree drop-off spot there. So check the website. There's directions there. And uh, we really appreciate the public support with this. The trees should be clean. Please, no tinsel, wires, lights, or baubles left on them. But uh, it's just such a fantastic thing to have these donations every year. Once all the donations are collected, when when are the trees placed where they have to be placed? And how long does that take? Well, it's a bit weather dependent. Um, it's best for us if it's after everything freezes solid. Because then we can get out on the ice and get out there even with uh, tracked vehicles and move the trees around. 2,000 Christmas trees is an awful lot of Christmas trees. Uh, so we're dependent on the weather. If it if we're if we don't get a solid freeze up, we have to do it with boats, and that's more complicated. So as soon as we have solid good ice to work on, we're ready to go. Well, sounds like an exciting time ahead at the RBG, Doctor Galbraith. Thanks for the time this morning, and uh, good luck with this tree disbursement. Thanks very much, Rick. That is Doctor David Galbraith, the director of science at the Royal Botanical Gardens. As you heard. Not many trees are uh, are still uh, left to be donated. The, the, the numbers are dwindling. 1,930 trees already donated. And yes, no tinsel. No no light bulbs left on. you got to <laughs> completely clear the tree. Register your tree today. rbg.ca is the website to go to. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Wouldn't it be nice... To start the new year by winning the lottery. Dare to dream, I say. While it may be a new year, the odds of you hitting the jackpot are just like mine. uh, Still the same. You have a 1 in 33 million chance of winning the Lotto Max jackpot. And you have about roughly 1 in 14 million chance of winning the classic jackpot in Lotto 649. So remote, but not impossible as we have seen over the last years. But... 
despite the remote odds, it, that has not also stopped us from buying lottery tickets. And it won't stop us this year because the lure of winning the big one is real. Tony Batanti is a spokesperson with OLG, Ontario Lottery and Gaming Corporation, and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Tony, good morning. How are you? Good morning and Happy New Year, Rick. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And yeah, you know, you, you, you gave those odds and they are, they are large odds. They really are. Uh, but if you boil down to winning any prize in either Lotto Max or 649, uh, really we're looking at odds of like one in six, one in seven hmm. of winning any prize. That's free tickets to, you know, potentially the, the jackpot. And also for our instant tickets, the scratch tickets, the odds of winning any prize are one in three. So it, it's, it's, you know, it's not impossible. We have winners every single day. We talk about our winners. Um, you know, and even, even last year, we paid out over 2.5 billion, billion with a B in prizes. And that was from 4.3 billion in revenue. So, you know, almost. 50% of what we took in for lottery uh, revenue went out in prizes. So we have winners. We do have winners. And that's that's a good thing. <laughs> I can attest that there are winners. I, I bought some scratch tickets for my grandmother who loves getting her scratch, as she calls it. And uh, she won, uh, I wouldn't say a boatload of money, but, you know, $20 here, 40 bucks here, 16 bucks there. Like, it adds up. And she was certainly happy and it kept her busy, that's for sure. But of that, you mentioned the $4.3 billion. And I thank you for the support. I thank you and her for the support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mentioned the $4.3 billion in tickets bought, $2.5 billion handed out in prize money. From what's left over, does that just go back into the pot or what, what happens with that money? So, so all of the revenue that, uh, sorry, I should say, all of the profits that result from OLG go back into the province, go back into the communities. And we've always been that way. A hundred percent of our profits go back into the province of Ontario to communities. Um, and, and that's a good thing because we're the, really, we're the only entertainment company, uh, in the province of Ontario that that can do that and and you know we've given out since 1975 to the province since 1975 over 59 billion dollars in profits and and that's that's not chump change that's not a, you know a 20 dollar scratch ticket win that's incredible amount of money that goes back to the province uh for health care for education in communities we see it in infrastructure hospitals rec centers you name it, it's it's there too. So you know that's that's one thing I'm proud about. I'm I'm, I'm one of those guys that uh, for OLG that gets to give out the big checks. Um, you know they always say to me, uh, "Are you going to come and give me the, the check for a million dollars?" And I always say, "Well, no. You know nothing less than twenty mil twenty million do I do the checks for." I mean, I, I do it as a joke, but I enjoy giving out the big checks. Um, and but the best thing is that this money does go back to the province of Ontario, and 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 that's what I'm really proud about. We had some big lotto winners last year. I remember um, a teenager, an 18-year-old who bought her first ever lottery ticket and winning yes. like 48 million, 49 million, whatever it was. Most recently, there was a big lotto max winner in Toronto, 68 million, who said he was going to keep his job, which is awesome to hear. Um, new, Relatively new to the lottery system is, is this gold ball jackpot. Uh, with 649 has that enticed more people to play compared to past years 
So what it does is, and, and what, when we do the changes to some of our games like Lotto Max, increasing the jackpot or changing the structure of 649 to, to you know, we're, we're doing that because people do want different things. They, they love the game. 649 has been around for over 40 years, Lotto Max over 20 years. Um, and, but they always want to try something new. So we introduced the gold ball jackpot, kept the structure of 649 exactly the same except what we did is we moved the jackpot from the numbers that you pick the six out of 49 to the the the, the computer generated number and the guaranteed prize so Every time, and we kind of have to look at the 649, like almost three draws. So we have the classic, which is you pick the six out of 49 numbers. You can win now $5 million, and that's a fixed jackpot. And then we brought that growing jackpot to the to the guaranteed portion of it. We always had that guaranteed prize of $1 million that someone could win across the country and, and someone does win that $1 million prize. But when you win that $1 million prize, then that number also goes into that gold ball. So there's kind of a third draw there and there's 29 white balls, one gold ball. And we have to see if that white ball drops, then you win that $1 million prize. If the gold ball drops, then you win that growing jackpot. And that's what that gentleman that won the $68 million that we just, we just paid him out in, in mid December. That's he won the 68 million because that was the last the last ball was the gold ball and someone was guaranteed to win that prize and it happened to be this gentleman that won in Toronto so it really does add a new element of excitement and and again people want to see change we so we keep the you know the games relatively the same for about 4 or 5 years then we do a little bit of a change to to really uh, you know give them something new and exciting to to to, to think about and when they're when they're trying to buy their lottery tickets because again it is disposable income it's an it's an option I, you know i want to put down a dollar five dollars whatever it is for a chance to win you know the big prize sort of thing too so it's it's a bit of a of a dream uh it, it's a it's a bit of a excitement and we do want to you know change it up and really and we hear this from our customers that they do want change once in a while but they do like the the integrity, the the sameness of the games. Um, but they want a new element to it, and that's what we want to bring to them every year. Well, as the saying goes, for Lotto Max at least, uh, many of us will continue to dream to the max and hope one day that they'll hit that that big jackpot. <laughs> Tony, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, and uh, we'll chat with you soon. Rick, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Happy New Year to all to you and all your listeners as well, too. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. Episode, and make sure you rate and review.